Five straight days of footy are brilliant in anyone's eyes, but one marquee game shone brighter than the rest as an absolute classic took place at the MCG on Monday afternoon. Hello and welcome to Stuck on Sport. I'm your host, Jim Lowton, and today I have Jordan Paraskevis back again. Welcome, Jordy. Thanks for having me back, Jim. Good to be back. How good was the weekend's footy? It was fantastic, wasn't it? So good to have five days of football. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and it was really the cherry on the top of the weekend was on Monday afternoon when Geelong and Hawthorne took to the field and played an absolute belter. How good was it? It was a thriller. Right down to the wire. Really enjoyable to watch. Crowd was up and about. Really good for footy. High scoring game too. It was 117 to 118. It was just a fantastic game of footy all around. Stars uh, of the game shining and some lower players coming through as well. Some new players like Tim Kelly really shone through. Uh, Where do you think that match rates among the recent rivalry between the two? Well, I think the game, while entertaining, it wasn't as good as some of the other games that we've seen between these two teams, but entertainment value, very high for this match. Yeah, especially in round two. I mean, you have some of those other matches in recent years that have been preliminary finals, grand finals, so... This, this doesn't quite match up to those like high occasions, but it was still one of the most entertaining matches, uh, certainly of this year and really of the decade, I think. Absolutely. And I think if you found this game to be, say, for example, if it was to be a match in round 23, a game that would push either team into the top four or the top two, ooh, this, this, would, this would have had a big impact for that team who won. Yeah, and uh, we have to talk about the difference between Easter Monday football and Good Friday football. What do you think the difference was between the two events? Because one really shone through and was an epic, and the other not so much. I'm not sure. I mean, we did have a little bit of a a fizzler on the Friday night, and the Easter Monday game was just superb. I mean, it's... I think, to be honest, it's the teams. I mean, we, we look forward to that game all week. It was, it was one of the most anticipated games of the week. The hype around it was much higher than the game on the Friday night. And to be honest, the quality of the game on the Monday was much higher than what we had on that uh, Easter Friday. Yeah, well, I think it's because they they originally played this game after some of the massive clashes between the two and it really just came off a great rivalry that had already formed over the years and with St Kilda and the Kangaroos you don't just you don't quite have that yet do you not quite yet I mean both teams still in a phase of a rebuild both teams quite young no real x factor in any of the, the teams talented players in both of those teams for sure but not the same as the Mitchells or the Roughheads or the Ablets or Dangerfields or Selwoods that you get on the Monday I think we do need to give it a bit of time as well because any marquee game that is started off has to has to have one match in the first few years that just is above the rest. It's just a fantastic match that people draw on when they come back to that match in later years. When you take into example the Anzac Day clash, the very first one between Essendon and Collingwood was a draw and said to be the best since or like the best Anzac Day match ever. Uh, with Geelong and Hawthorne, they have had countless encounters like that. And on the Queen Queen's birthday, Collingwood and Melbourne have had some absolute belters as well. Absolutely, they've been, they've been fantastic. I mean, you're absolutely right. We do need to give this game time to get some hype around it. And, for example, if we had a result on the Monday, on the Friday night, like we did, might have been a different story. Might have been one of the games of the round to watch and be at. And one one thing that I am concerned about, however, about this game is just the the size of the two clubs. They're not the biggest clubs going around, and also 
it's not at the MCG. I know. Good on the AFL for trying to give a couple of the other clubs, a couple of the smaller clubs, a big game to look forward to in their fixture. However, if they were trying to draw crowds and get the public around a big game or a game to look forward to in that week or in the, the round, I think they may have picked two of the wrong teams. I'm not saying I'm not here to knock either of the teams, but if the AFL's goal was to draw a big game and set it up like an Anzac Day or a Queen's birthday, I don't think they've picked the two right clubs for this. And I think it was a bit of a strange decision by the AFL to actually axe the Bulldogs from this fixture who played North Melbourne last year in actually what was a pretty good game that came down right to the wire. And it was a strange decision from the AFL to uh, take them off this fixture. It was. And if they were trying to set up a, a marquee game, you don't change the teams who you've got in the match. You keep them and whether they're quality goes up or down in terms of their games or their wins, you need to keep them on to set that up as something that people look forward to and expect in a season. I think we should be hired by the AFL here. Let, let's be honest. I think so, mate. I think, I think the public... I think the, I think the heads of the AFL and the executives and Dylan McLaughlin, they need to listen to the public. They need to listen to what the public want because the public knows what it wants. It wants big games between big clubs. Yes, the smaller clubs do need some spotlight on them and some big games. But if the AFL is trying to make this a fixture, a, a big thing to look forward to in the AFL fixture each year, they've gone about it the wrong way. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, I think there'll be a job offer coming our way in the coming weeks, to be honest. We'll be let's, get into, let's get into some match reviews. We'll start with the very first match of the round, which was a great match on its own on the Thursday night. Richmond versus Adelaide. It was a cracker for the first three quarters. It then became a bit of a fizzler towards the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it did. Grand final rematch was always going to be one to look out for and look forward to. And for the majority of the game, it delivered. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. I thought Dustin Martin was brilliant, um, albeit a bit relied upon from the Richmond team because he collected 25 possessions and kicked five goals. That's a, a monster game. game. Big game by Dusty. It was fantastic to watch. But it, it really became, towards the end, Adelaide's fortress. And they really knew how to play the game better, the ground better, and they just ran away with it in the end. Another heavy scoring game. I mean, 18-10-118 to 12-10-82. The Crows took the reins early, and they just they held on for a lot of the games. A couple of fightbacks by the Tigers throughout the game, but not enough to see them over the line. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's always sweet to get some grand final revenge as well, and they, they really came into the game with some purpose, and I, I really liked how Adelaide went about it, especially after a disappointing loss against Essendon the week before. Can't discount the Crows completely. They had a decent crack in this game. Josh Jenkins is standout with five goals. Yep, four of them against Rance in the first half. How good's that? Rance had a really poor game, I think. He, he had a poor uh, first half. Sorry, His yeah, first half that's was right. shocking. I do, I do correct myself. Thank you, Jim, for correcting me. His first half was awful. Was giving away free kicks. Couldn't get. He couldn't get to his man. It was really subpar game by by him in the first half. And then in the second half, he pulled the ripcord. The engine restarted up, and away he was to the rants that we all know. Yeah, it was chalk and cheese. It was just a, a very strange game from Alex Rants. But you know, you can't really take a lapse in play when you're playing against a player like Josh Jenkins. Some other standouts for the, the Crows in the game, Cam Ellis Yeoman with 28 touches, 7 tackles, and uh, Bryce Gibbs with 20 kicks and 8 tackles, so 28, sorry, uh, 8 handballs, so 28 touches for him too. Uh, big standout for the Crows, Rory Laird with 42 touches, 29 kicks and 13 handballs. What a game he played. He was fantastic. He was all over the place. 
couple of injury concerns for the Crows as well to come out of the game. The we big had one, yeah. Matt Crouch down uh, with what looked like a... Hamstring. Yeah, yeah, hamstring. Looked like a pretty bad one too, so it'll probably be the full four weeks. And David McKay as well out with injury. So two critical players, two grand final players from that team. Now, it'll be important for the Crows to sort of manage that injury list as the year goes on because it's already started pretty high at the start of the year. If it gets worse, then they'll really be pushing that depth. But they do have good depth at the moment. Good to see Tex Walker back too. So, Jimmy, who were your GLS Player of the Year votes for this game? I gave three to Rory Laird. I thought he was just fantastic. 42 touches all over the place. He was just brilliant. Two votes go to Dustin Martin. He was the most efficient on the ground. Hitting five goals with 25 possessions. Superb by Dusty. He was the only reason they were in it towards that the end or the middle of that last quarter. And I gave one vote to Josh Jenkins because the towel-up job he did on Alex Rance was just fantastic in the first half. And then... Even in the second half, when he started to get beaten, he still kicked a goal in the last quarter, which got him over the line. Smothered Rance like a blanket for the first half of that game. Was brilliant to watch. Now we'll move on to the next match on the Friday, the the Good Friday afternoon match. North versus St Kilda. This was a bit of a fizzer. Only 22 points each at halftime, wasn't it? But an unexpected result in the end of the game, Jim. There were some fantastic players for North in the end that just got him over the line. The main man, I thought, was Big Benny Brown. Kicking the six goals, he was really the difference between the two teams. Yeah, fantastic by Ben Brown. The Kangaroos just ran over the top of them there in the second half. Really unexpected. Eight-goal win by them. Huge confidence booster for the Kangaroos after a disappointing defeat the round before. I'm really concerned about St Kilda, actually, because they really shouldn't be dropping games like this. Now, they're a team that wants to play finals in 2018. If they play like this, it's not going to happen. No, it won't. Jack Steven and Kobe Stevens and Jimmy Webster stand out as well for the Saints. But um, they need more players to step up and take the game into their own hands and run that out. Jack steal a quiet game, as was Jack Billings. Really start to worry about where things are down at St Kilda. Yeah, it'll be an important few matches coming up because next week they play Adelaide and then the week after that they play the Cats. So it's a, so it's a big couple of weeks coming up for the for the Saints. It really is. Todd Goldstein did an absolute number on Billy Longer in the ruck. Uh, Goldie with the 38 touches, uh, the 38 hitouts, sorry, and Billy Longer with the 16. So Goldstein showing some of his old form there, some really dominant rucking, and he could be a bit of a... Headache for opposition Ruckman in future games. Definitely. When an opposition Ruckman is really firing, it's a difficult task to get around because there's not really much you can do, especially with the no third man up rule. Yeah, so in the end, the Kangaroos by the 52 points, a bit of a burnout for our Easter Friday game. Jim, who were your player votes for this game? I gave the three votes to Big Ben Brown. No real surprise there. He was the best player on the ground by Really mile. dominant game by Six Benny. Six goals. Brilliant. Just the best. Two votes to Sean Higgins. He was really instrumental in setting up that win. And for the first half, he was clearly North's, um, best, North's best player. And I gave one vote to Ben Jacobs. I thought he was really good. Even though he got the 18 touches, he was just did a really good job. I thought he was fantastic. Brilliant, Jimmy. Thank you. All right, we'll move on to the next match. And uh, this match wasn't... Uh, a world beater either, I didn't think. Carlton versus Gold Coast. Gold Coast really did a number on Carlton, didn't they? Oh, it was so unexpected. The Gold Coast just jumped on top early and they held it out. The The margin didn't usually dip under the 18 points. The uh, three goals, which the Gold Coast, that three-goal buffer, which they seem to maintain for, for the whole game. Gold Coast, 15-11, 101. Carlton, 9-13, 
67. I think Carlton's defence is really starting to become an issue now because they let up 37 scoring opportunities in the first round and now 26 to the Gold Coast in the second round. Really strange. We're seeing a couple of the younger players at Carlton starting to show their inexperience in the game. Jacob Wiedering is having a few quieter rounds, as is Caleb Marchbank. Cade Simpson is a gun, but he can't do it all on his own. So no, and a 31-year-old doing it, it's just not going to work for the for the Blues anymore. Some of those younger players have to step, step up. And we know Patrick Cripps is doing the job. He's stepping up, but he needs someone to go with him. Tommy Lynch, hooli dooly. The eight goals jumped that into his Coleman bag. Yeah, he, he'll be right up there towards the end. He was just fantastic. Brilliant job by Ed Kerno for the Blues with 38 touches and 10 tackles. He is an absolute running beast. I would hate to be on the receiving end of a tackle from him. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Jared Lyons, fantastic for the Suns as well with the 36 touches. Wits with the 46 hitouts against Kaz Bolt. The Blues need Cruiser back desperately. They really do. He was really instrumental in getting them back in the game against Richmond, and he will really be missed these coming weeks if he doesn't make it back on the field. Aaron Mullet proving a fantastic pickup from the Kangaroos for Carlton. 22 kicks to him and 22 kicks to Cade Simpson. So a couple more standouts for the Blues. But in the end... The Gold Coast, just, they, they ran them off their feet, over-the-top balls, picked out holes in the Carlton defence. Really concerning for Carlton to see gaps like that pop up. And heartwarming for a Gold Coast Sun supporter. Yeah, definitely. Are, are there any Gold Coast Sun supporters? Let's not go there, Jim. <laughs> All right, who did you give the three votes to? Well, uh, my GLS player votes for this round, I gave one vote to Ed Kerno. Uh, I mean, a big game by Ed. Yes, he's on the losing side, but 19 kicks and 19 handballs. Cracking game. He had two behinds. If they had been goals, he would have been. that would have been absolutely superb. I gave the two votes to Jared Lyons. 27 kicks and nine touches and a goal to his name. Played an absolute Fantastic. massive game for him. And, of course, the three votes this week for this game were always going to go to... Levi Casbolt. That's it, mate. He The rucking was fantastic. He only had 16 hitouts and a behind to his name and seven disposals. He was beyond average. Uh, Tom Lynch for the three votes, obviously, Jim. 16 kicks, eight goals, eight big ones for him. It was great to see Tommy Lynch uh, putting on a nice highlights package for Eddie McGuire to watch at the end of the year when they throw millions of dollars at him to come to Collingwood. They'll throw a lot of money at him. I I assume he's going to be a very wealthy man towards the end of this year. And the kitchen sink, but the kitchen sink will be full of money. (laughs) Next game. Now, talking about the pies... Collingwood versus GWS. It was a really defiant performance from the Pies, I thought. They were really good, especially after very severe injury-riddled first quarter that went for 40 minutes. Oh, my heart. I mean, Jim and I were there. We were at the match. Gentlemen. We, saw, we saw it straight away. It was just an awful thing to happen. We saw as soon as it happened, Phil Davis walk over to Tim Brewhead, and as soon as I saw that, I knew something bad had happened. That poor kid. What a shocking injury to start the game off, at the very start of the game as well. Yeah, he was a late in to the match as well, which is just, it's really heartbreaking to see something like that happen. And then later in the match, uh, Tom Scully, well, later in the first quarter, Tom Scully did a yeah, shocking ankle injury. Yeah. Good tackle, 
bad injury. Similar, yeah, it's, oh, it's just an unfortunate incident. Both of them. There, there's nothing wrong with what's happened, but it's just an isolated incident that no, no one could have predicted. Looked really bad. Apparently, Tom Scully was on the green stick in the back of the game on, on the green stick. Well, and the because Tim Broomhead had taken the ambulance on call early, so it took them about 20 minutes to actually get an ambulance down there to take him off to the hospital. It was just awful. I mean, it was a similar, not to huck back to or compare it to a magpie, but very similar injury to Dane Swan, getting the foot trapped under the body and then yep. the entire body weight coming down on top of you. All right, let's not dwell on the injuries. Let's talk about the actual football. I thought pies were, they were really good for the first... Um, first half and then they were really good in the third quarter as well where they really got back into the match yeah I mean score changes are plenty in this game much more uh, as a Pies supporter much better game to watch to be honest I mean not as disheartening as the loss to the Hawks where I thought we might have snuck a win there in this game I wasn't expecting a win but I really enjoyed what I see we were competitive for the majority of the game I think everybody was out on their legs in the last 10 minutes of... They were absolutely gone, weren't they? I thought the difference between the two sides in the end was really the class of GWS. They just seemed to move the ball better when they had it and they were more efficient. So it was was a tale of two stories in the two sides. I think the Pies got more of the ball because uh, they played a bit of keeping off, but they were a bit slow with their ball movement, which really hampered their ability to get the ball into the forward line and create some one-on-one opportunities for someone like Darcy Moore, who did go back to the forward line. I picked it. I was the one who said at the start of the year, Nathan Buckley, put him in the forward line. It's obviously what he should have done, and now it's too late for him because he's done his hamstring. Well, Buckley, clearly a fan of the podcast and listening in to Jimmy's advice. Uh, Darcy Moore will be back, hopefully not out for too long. They're expecting him out for three to four weeks. Yeah, so so it looks like he'll just be back. Probably won't be back in time for an Anzac Day clash. Which sucks, because I'd love to see him kick your ass. In the end, the GWS Giants, 15-5-95 to Collingwood, 12-7-79. Just the inaccuracy in the kicking from Collingwood. Such slow play to watch sometimes. When they go to switch it in the back line, it looks lethargic and slow, and you just you want to see the ball in the hands of someone fast, like Tom Phillips or Sam Murray or Adam Trelaw, who was electric in the third quarter. So much run and dash from him was great to see. Matt Scharenberg, a good inclusion in the back line, laid a ripping tackle on Jeremy Cameron to stop what could have been an easy goal. Brody Grundy, fantastic again in the ruck. 45 hitouts to 20 against Lobb. Um, yeah, I mean, the Pies were there or thereabouts. I just couldn't get the job done. They're going to have to find someone to fill that forward spot next week against Carlton. It's become clear to me now that the Pies really need an elite ball user in the back half. I think that the game style that they that they play at the moment is similar to a lot of other teams in the fact that they like to uh, switch the ball and look for their opportunity. But they just don't have that elite ball user like uh, like other teams do. I mean, when you look at Frio on the weekend, they had Connor Blakely and Nathan Wilson. So they were fantastic. In for Essendon, you have Michael Hurley. And for GWS, you have Heath Shaw. I had the player votes for this game, Jimmy. Uh, yep. I gave the one vote to Jeremy Finlayson from the GWS Giants. 21 kicks, two tackles. Good game from a young man. It's really exciting to see the Giants. I mean, obviously the Giants are going to get somebody young and exciting. That's been their case for the entire time they've been in this competition, but really good to see a young defender come in and have a great game on a big stage at the G. Yeah, absolutely. I gave the two votes to Tom Phillips from Collingwood. A bit, a bit flew under the radar 
uh, a bit. He pulled a bit of a Dane Swan where you see him a couple times and think, oh, you know, he's had the 15 touches, but then in the end, he's had a bit of a barnstorm. Was the leading disposal getter on the ground with 32? He had 21 kicks and 11 handballs. But I had to give the three votes to Stephen Cornelio, who was absolutely fantastic. Kicked the three goals and was the difference, just a class above uh, for the Giants. And in the midfield too, he just won so much of the ball. He was fantastic. Now the next match, we've got Brisbane versus Melbourne. It was a fantastic match. Uh, Melbourne got out of the gates early and then Brisbane reeled them back towards the end. And then in the last quarter, the scores were even. Could have been a massive upset here for the Demons. The Lions just stormed into it, and it would have been an absolute shock because I don't know about you out there, tipsters, but I had a shocking round in my tipping this week. Yeah, I only had three. Same did I. Yeah, I think Melbourne, it was a very mature win for Melbourne, seeing as they could have crumbled under the pressure that Brisbane were bringing. They kicked seven goals in a row, and it looked like they were going to overrun them, but Melbourne just pegged them back and just pegged the momentum back, and in the end, they ran away winners by... 26 points. 26 points. So in the end, Melbourne 14-16-100 to the Brisbane Lions 10-14-74. Really close in the end, uh, especially there in that third quarter and in and halfway through the fourth when the Lions wrestled back that lead. But then in the end, the Demons just proving too good. Off the boot of Jesse Hogan, who had an absolutely superb game with the five goals. Yeah, he was fantastic in the first half. And Oliver was one of my favourite players in that match as well. It's fantastic. His contested work is just up there with the best in the competition. 35 touches for Clayton Oliver, 11 kicks and 24 handballs. Putting together a nice little package for himself, little highlights package for the end of his career. That absolutely. boy is absolutely going places. Jeff Garlett with the four goals as well, really impressive for the day. Yeah, he has to come into the conversation the best small forward in the competition very soon, Jeff Garlett, because his performance in the first two rounds has been magnificent and if he can keep this up, and his defensive pressure work is fantastic as well, if he can keep this up, he'll be knocking the door down of all Australian. Charlie Cameron with the three goals. Really exciting for Charlie Cameron and the Brisbane Lions to have a cult figure that the fans can get around. Yeah, absolutely. The Brisbane Lions are going places. So I had the votes again for this game. I gave the one vote to Jeffy Garlett with the four goals. Very impressed by his game. Just found the space and tore open the Brisbane defence. I gave the two votes to Clayton Oliver with a superb game by him. But of course, with a bag for himself, I had to give the three votes to Jesse Hogan. And that's fair enough too. I thought he was magnificent. Now, we're going to go to the break now. And as we do, have a listen to some of the final moments between Geelong and Hawthorne. Sport? Then get stuck on sport by following us on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe to the Stuck On Sport channel on Wooshka. Don't forget to get involved in the podcast by replying to our page and ask questions that you would like answered. Hello everybody and welcome back to Stuck On Sport. I'm your host Jim Loughton and I still have Jordan Paraskevis here. 
Now this next game, Jim. You know I don't want to talk about it. But, but we're going to talk about it, Jim. We're going to talk about it. Fremantle Dockers, 16-10, to the Bombers, 14-6-90. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance by the Bombers. Their interstate woes continue. They just weren't up to it, I don't think. They were just... They weren't good enough, really. It, for, for a side that's pushing for a top four spot if they want to, even a top eight spot, to go over to Fremantle and lose to a team like that, it just wasn't good enough. Bit of a shock, to be honest, the uh, result. Yeah, the result really came on the back of the coaching. Yeah, John Worst, John Worstfold's... John Worstfold, that was terrible. John Worstfold's hands were down in this game. I'm sorry, Jim, that was a terrible pun. Uh, Fremantle, you know the man that I like seeing back in good form? Nat Five, bang. 29 touches, a goal. He was all over you like a really bad rash in a monsoon. He really was. He was the difference in that midfield, and we can never really find a way to get around him. Although I didn't, I didn't give him the three votes. I thought there was someone else Ooh. in the back line who played magnificently well. Played to the to the role Ross Lyon gave in. Glad you said Ross Lyon, not Michael Hurley. Yeah, there was some some players in the in the Essendon team that just didn't show up and they just weren't good enough. Uh, Joe Danaher was nowhere to be seen. I think that's a little bit more to do with the left knee injury that he's been carrying around since the preseason. He wasn't he wasn't looking as agile as he usually does, and it's really con- and it's a real concern for the Bombers. Uh, if he doesn't get up and running very soon. Michael Hartley with only the 11 touches, Jake Stringer with only the 9, and Anthony McDonald tippung Woody with only the 7. So well, quite Anthony McDonald tippung Woody had one touch to halfway through the third quarter as well. So it's really not good enough for some, from someone like him. However, the shining light for the Bombers was Devin Smith. He was fantastic. He's their only player in the first two rounds that can hold his head up high and say, I put in a consistent performance. 20 touches with the 11 kicks and 9 marks, 13 tackles. That's a big tackle game for him. Yeah, he was fantastic. I think he put his hand up to be pretty much Esnan's best player over the first two rounds, definitely. And for the rest of the year, I think he holds himself in high stead. It only confuses our opinion of Fremantle even more. What We weren't expecting much from them at, at the start of the year, but this has just turned that on its head. Yeah, they were pretty good. I think it was more to do with the coaching and how, how well they were set up, but they really did put in some good performances. Uh, and you can't ignore a team that has someone like Nat Fife and Lockie Neal running through the midfield. Matt Taberner impressive with the four goals as well. He only plays well against Essendon. I swear to God, every time he plays against us, he just towels us up. And he never plays like that against anyone else. It's ridiculous. Anyway, does. back to the GLS Player of the Year votes. Just give him all the Fremantle, mate. I, yes, I am. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Connor Blakely with the three votes. I yeah, thought he good. was fantastic. The 30 disposals and his use out of the back line was brilliant. One vote to Nat Fife. He's back. He kicked a goal, 29 disposals. He was fantastic. And one, oh, sorry, two votes to Nat Five. Thanks, Jim. That's really coherent. Two votes to Nat Five. He was really fantastic. Kicked the two, one goal, should have been, had 29 disposals and was the real difference in that midfield. And one vote goes to Lockie Neal. He was very good. The 27 disposals? 28. 28 disposals. Uh, and he was really uh, a force to be reckoned with in that midfield with Nat Five. Moving on to our next game now, uh, we had... The Woeful Dogs versus 
the brilliant Eagles. They were fantastic, the Eagles, away from home, and at Eddie had as well, where they were 0-5 last year. Yeah, really good by the Eagles to screw up my tipping again. The West Coast Eagles, 18-13, 121, to the Bulldogs, massive drop-off in form, 9-16-70. This game was over from halfway through the second quarter. Yeah, it really showed that the that the Eagles were a class above the Dogs. I'm very I'm quite concerned about the Dogs actually because they were woeful in their first match, and in this match against the Eagles, they weren't much better at home and against a team that has its interstate troubles. I know it was an unexpected result again. The tips folded in on themselves. Jack Darling with the four goals, superb game by him. Liam Ryan. Fantastic for it. He's fantastic. Ripping Mark. Absolute contender for Mark of the Year. Three goals, three as well. So shows he can hit the scoreboard. He's going to be one to watch. This is fantastic. Also, three goals to Venables as well. And two to Jake Waterman. Yeah. In the GLS Player of the Year Award votes, I gave three to Shannon Hearn. He was fantastic. His ball use out of the back line was brilliant. Two to Andrew Gaff. I thought in the midfield he was just a running machine and ran all day. And one vote to Liam Ryan, who was just fantastic. His performance uh, as a small forward uh, and jumping and taking marks as well was just fantastic. And he put on some good defensive pressure as well. It was really important for his team. Where do you think the dogs are going wrong this year, Jim? Really, it's hard to tell. I think they've just lost all confidence in their in themselves and in their teammates. I think... It's clear now that the problem at the Dogs wasn't Jake Stringer and wasn't players around uh, being naughty. I think it's just a it's a cultural thing now. I think they've gotten complacent after the grand final, and I just don't think they're, they're good enough this year. 23 touches to Johannesson, quite game. 23 tackles. 23 tackles would be amazing. 23 touches to Bonson Pally, quite game. And only 15 disposals to Luke... Dalhouse. I mean, really concerning. Tim English and Jordan Roughhead both had quiet games. Jordan Roughhead did have that injury, though. He did pick up an injury during the game. A couple standouts for the Dogs who did try their heart out. Uh, you had the 31 touches to Jack McRae and also the 31 touches to Toby McLean. Three goals to Jack McRae and two to Lockie Hunter. So McRae, Hunter and McLean hold their heads up high this week. We're standouts in a very poor dog side, but the Eagles just had all the answers. Good to see Nick Natanui get through another game as well. Yeah, it was. I think uh, Jackson Trengrove as well will be out for about three weeks with a collarbone injury, so Nasty. he won't be taken to the field this week against the Bombers. Nasty business. And good for the Bombers. Yeah. they lose again. <laughs> They'll probably show up against the Bombers next week now. They have been awful in the first two weeks, and then they'll probably jump up and surprise everyone. Anyway, on to the next match. Sydney versus Port always lived up to be a great game, and Port showed why they're up there. Fourth quarter, the Port Adelaide power just went absolute bang. Jumped on top. Sydney looked in complete control for the first half of the game. Had a massive lead going into the third quarter, and then Port just chipped away at it over and over again. Port 14-10-94, Sydney 10-11-71. And in that last quarter, then they just overran them, and they were just fantastic. I think one player that I really want to talk about after this game is Todd Marshall. Todd, he's uh, a massive player. He'll be fantastic for them. He was re- he was a high a possibility possibility to go a very high draft pick in 2016 in the class of 2016. Ended up slipping a little bit down to Port Adelaide 
just like Sam Powell Pepper did the, the year previously. And it was just a fantastic performance by him. I think he'll be their biggest improver this year. And I think he's going to have a better year than Jack Watts, Stephen Motlop, and Tom Rockcliffe. Ooh, that's a big call there by Jim, but we'll be keen to watch that one. Yeah, the three goals for Todd Marshall, really impressive by him. Just Seven in total now gets him up in the leaderboard in the Coleman's. So. Does it really well? I mean, not, not on top, but like he gets him close there. Oh, okay, I apologise for my excitement. I mean, there was even a passage of play where got a handball in and then went back into a pack, found it, ducked under a tackle, shot a handball that which led to a goal. The Just footy smarts by the young man. He's just one of those new breed of tall forward that are that are good in the air but agile on the ground like Charlie Curnow and Joe Danaher. He's a thinker. He's a thinker because he had a snap in the pocket. He had a snap in the right-hand pocket on his left foot. He put it through head height because none of the Sydney Swans were manning the mark. He's a smart player. Doesn't have to go the big 40 metre over his head banana. He just saw that there was no one there on the line, popped it over Grundy's head and a goal. Really smart by him. Yeah, he was fantastic. And I think now it's official that Sydney are too Franklin obsessed. He kicked the four goals in the first half and when it's working, it's brilliant because Franklin is just one of the best players in the AFL period. But when it's not working, Sydney get in real trouble. I mean, credit to the Sydney midfield who run their hearts out. Luke Parker with the 27. And Kennedy as well with the 33, four tackles and just a behind for him. Like we said, if the buddy show's not on, Sydney don't show. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Sydney really need to find another avenue to goal. Whereas on the other, whereas on the other side, um, Port Adelaide... They are confirming to the rest of the league they are serious about this year. But we do need to remember they won this uh, the same game last year against Sydney in round one. So let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. But Port Adelaide, they'll be right there, I think. I think they'll be right up close towards almost the top four, but I definitely think they'll make it towards five and eight. So, Jordan, who did you give your... GLS Player of the Year award votes too. Jim, I struggled with this one. There's a player that I wanted to put in, but he's just missed out because of the Buddy Franklin four goals. So I'm going to give a shout out to this player first because I wanted to have him in because his impact in the game, because we need to remember this was the Port's first game without Ryder in the ruck. They had Westhoff and Dixon, so shout out to Charlie Dixon, who, while he didn't have a high disposal game, had the 17 touches, 32 hitouts. He was a big factor in the second half of that game. A lot of ruck and roving, and he got the clearances out as well. Really good to see Charlie Dixon can still have an impact in a game without kicking a bag of goals. Yeah, I agree. I thought Charlie Dixon was fantastic as well. And this was one of those games that... Charlie Dixon, if he does go into the ruck, he can get away with. He's not because Sinclair isn't one of those towering uh, ruckmen who just who just goes for the tap out Dyke and Aaron Sanderlands. But onto the votes. So in the end, I did give the one vote to Buddy Franklin with the four goals, had fifteen kicks, strong game by Buddy. But as we said, if a Buddy show goes quiet, so do the Swans. I gave the two votes to Robbie Gray. Robbie Gray with the twenty six disposals, not a massive disposal game, but 10 tackles, got in there super hard, uh, won it when it needed to be won for Port. And I gave the three votes to Ollie Wines. 35 disposals, six tackles, and a goal. He had a complete match on the weekend. Yeah, definitely. He was a fantastic player. Now, we'll move on to the A1 number one game of the weekend. It was Geelong versus Hawthorne. 
This was a fantastic match, and I know we've already talked about this a little bit, but I'm really looking forward to getting to this with a bit more depth. Oh, it was just where to start. In the end, the Hawks, 17, 16, 118 to 18, 9, 117. The Hawks with 16 behinds. This game could have been a blowout if they were kicking straight for goal. Yeah, but I think it was it did just to the occasion and just to the match that it was so close. Because I thought Hawthorne were the better team, led by Tom Mitchell, best player on the ground. He's now had 94 disposals in the first two matches. Only 94 disposals. As BT would say, he's an absolute freak machine. <laughs> Very impressive game by Tom Mitchell. Ben McAvoy was fantastic in the ruck. He did it on his own and it was superb. Uh, Jack Gunston, Blake Hardwick all played strong games as well for the Hawks. Also, uh, so did Isaac Smith. But, I mean, this is a bit... It was expected that the Hawks may go down just to the Cats this weekend because with the likes of Selwood and Dangerfield and Ablett and their new star... I'm going to call him a star, early days, but the way that Tim Kelly is playing, he's putting together some kind of career early. Yeah, he's he played really well. I thought he was fantastic. But isn't it interesting that the, the, the trio of Dangerfield, Selwood and Ablett was beaten in the clearances by Tom Mitchell and Jagger O'Meara? Uh, they went head-to-head, and everyone thought if they do go head-to-head, they will win because you have Dangerfield, Selwood and Ablett, three of the best players of the modern era. But uh, it was just interesting how an accumulator like Tom Mitchell was able to get into the match and really show his class above the other three. I did hear rumour after the game that Tom Mitchell was actually checked into hospital. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping he's okay. So the reports are leather poisoning, so I hope he's all right for the next <laughs> round. Jeez, Jim, that look in your face was really concerned there. I'm sorry, fans, if I did startle you there. <laughs> It was a great game, though, wasn't it? I think him, Mitchell, with the 40 touches and two goals was really the difference between the two sides in the end. And it does prove on the, on the Geelong side that Gary Ablett is still the main man. God, he's he the, he's the that guy. Final quarter. That, the last tenth of that final quarter, Ablett showed why he is still the main man. And I gave, in the GLS Player of the Year award votes, I gave Tom Mitchell. The three votes. He was just the best player on the ground. We've gone over it, but he was just fantastic. Uh, the two votes go to Gary Ablett and one to Patrick Dangerfield, who chipped in with some scores towards the end and the 31 touches. I know. It sounds weird when you say that Danger had an okay game with the 31 touches and two goals, but compared to some other games, Tom Mitchell just showing him up and looking the goods, you'd definitely think he'd be polling three votes for both of these games come Brownlow night. Yeah, and I, but I think it's a, it's a going to be a really interesting season to see how that pans out because we all think that Dusty Martin's got a chance as well and we've got Tom Mitchell who's been fantastic. Got Pretty clearly he's got six votes already. Gary Ablett probably has five votes. So it'll be very interesting come towards the end of the year in the Brownlow Medal Night to see who's who's on top. Look forward to our Brownlow special come that time of oh, the year. We'll definitely be having a Brownlow special. And with that, that finishes our match reviews for round two. Thank you, everybody, for listening. It's been a fantastic week in sport, and I look forward to having your company next week. And thank you to my special guest, Jordan, for joining us. Been fantastic to be here on the show, Jim. Can't wait to be back. Looking forward to the next round. All right. See you later, guys. Thank you very much. The Tigers are going to win the Premiership in 2006. What's the ball? What a ball!
Thanks for listening to the Stuck on Sport podcast, powered by Watch Aussie Media.